Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, my name's Adam from Toronto, Ontario. And I subscribe to the Creative Control Patreon because I feel that uh, at the end of the day, uh, there are very few people in the industry who are able to consistently get the kind of quality interviews out of very diverse subjects of many creative stripes and disciplines, as Vish does pretty well on every episode of the podcast. It's a no-brainer to me that I want to support this when you factor that in to uh, all of the bonus content you get on Patreon and you know, it's a listener-supported podcast, so uh, I want to keep the uh, great content coming. So that's why you should also support Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. Jenny Beth is a multi-talented musician, singer, actor, songwriter, author, and artistic force currently based in France. The lead singer of the critically acclaimed band Savages, Beth has just released a remarkable solo album called To Love Is To Live, an impassioned exploration of self featuring Beth at the peak of her vocal and songwriting power, supported by collaborators and producers like Johnny Hostile, Flood, Atticus Ross, Romy Madley Croft of the XX, Cillian Murphy, and Joe Talbot of the band Idols. To Love is to Live is out now via Arts and Crafts in Canada and Caroline Records elsewhere. And Jenny and I connected recently for a conversation about the personal nature of this new album and what might have inspired it, how boxing has informed her as a live performer and singer, her dear friendship with PJ Harvey, future plans, and more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creativecontrol and Massey Hall's concert film series live at masseyhall.com where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free including performances by past podcast guests like Cold Specs Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 549th episode of Creative Control, featuring the wonderful Jenny Beth, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Jenny. How's it going? 
Hello, I'm good. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. It's nice to speak with you again. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. The last time we spoke, I think it was uh, a chat about Alan Vega for a... Uh, oh, yeah, I did. good. <laughs> yeah, we, I did a little thing on my show. It was a little documentary about uh, Alan Vega and uh, you participated. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was nice to have you on there and uh, it's nice to t- talk to you again. First of all, where in the world are you? I'm in France right now and I'm sitting in my studio, uh, which I'm using to do interviews a lot <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> yeah. More than I make music right now, but it's it's normal. It's, you know, releasing a record is, uh, yeah, a lot of interviews, but it's great. I'm very thankful for all the people who've been willing to, you know, spend some time talking about To Love Is To Live. So I, I'm not going to complain. It's yeah. been wonderful, the reception. Yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful album. Congratulations on it, if I might say. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm, very- I'm very, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so nice to have it out finally after, you know, several years working on it. And I feel free now. I feel, <laughs> I feel like I've released my, you know, my baby into the world and, <laughs> and I feel relieved and, and I can, you know, share it with people because that's why we make music, don't we? We make music because we want to feel that connection with other people. And for a while I was, I mean, I was having connections with people I was working with on the record, but now it's much, you know, wider and I can share it with, you know, the fans and the people who like it. So it's, it's been great. Yeah. How, how are you doing being unable to connect to people physically at the moment, which I presume is what's going on. Uh, You're in France. Is that where you live? Uh, So I lived, um, I lived 12 years in London. Yeah. And three years ago, I sort of moved to Paris, although I was a lot in London. It's like two hours and a half by train, so it's pretty close. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then I, yes, I moved, I moved to France. I mean, I, I, I was back and forth, but I literally moved, yeah, back to France. And it felt important to do it at that time. I needed a change. I felt a bit disconnected and with, you know, my 20 years old self, French self, <laughs> who'd left the country to go to London and to make music. And I felt I needed to, there were parts of me I couldn't really connect with the artist that I had become. And I was trying to, I think I was, now I have distance I can analyze a bit. I think I was trying to reconnect those parts. Um, I, you know, it was kind of pathetic at some point. I couldn't even speak French with, without an English accent. So <laughs> it, was, it was time I did something about this. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were suffering from my native language, suffering from, uh, suffering from Madonna syndrome where you developed a British accent, even though you're not from there. Is that what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's say that's what happened. Bless her. No, no disrespect to Madonna. I'm just, that's just a funny thing. Anyway, so, uh, what I was getting at, yes, you mentioned you're from France originally and what i was getting at with my initial question was uh, about being sort of socially isolated how locked down are you uh, where you're living in france are people going out into the world or are you mostly staying in yeah yeah now we're reopening so and from the 22nd next week for so from monday it will be back to normal apart from you know in shops like keeping distances but basically everyone is back um, there are still things that are not really working, but the great thing is that my boxing club is going to reopen. <laughs> oh, nice. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, I've been doing boxing, uh, through Zoom, um, which is not the same, but it's been great, though it's really kept me sane. Um, but yeah, in France, you know, the lockdown happened much quicker, I think, uh, and much sooner than some other countries. I think America and England, England were later and, and now they're slowly reopening, so it's almost back to normal, yeah. So you're, the numbers, uh, the, the statistics are suggesting that the virus has been contained? Or how are you feeling about that? Because yeah. we, we, we are experiencing, I'm calling you from Canada, and they're starting to try to open things up. Yeah. But then we, we're hearing from our friends in America that uh, the numbers are jumping back up. And, and in China, obviously, as you and I are speaking right now, in Beijing, they're saying the second wave is worse than the first. Yeah. So, uh, is there a sense from yeah. 
your leadership that things are okay enough to open up or are you monitoring it every day? Yeah, I think they, they feel that it's okay. Obviously, you can't predict the future. And I think America is a very different sort of system as well, where it's very locally, you know, taken care of locally. And so there's really big inequalities between states. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. So, but people are not, you know, people are still traveling across states and, you know, so, so I guess it would be harder to contain. Here in France, the lockdown has been respected. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I can't really, I'm not really a politician. I don't know how they no, decide no, sure, this shit. No, no, sure, sure. But they, <laughs> sure. they, but they, you know, they still, I mean, venues are not reopened. Uh, cinemas will be open next week, but it will be with gloves and masks and you have to go with, you know. Okay. And we take the public transports with masks and things like that, yeah. Okay. So you, how do you have a, a boxing contest via Zoom? I don't understand how anyone wins or loses if you're boxing someone. Oh virtually. no no, I'm not. I'm not doing a match. I'm training. You're training. It's like boxing. I'm training in English boxing. That's fascinating. What got you into that? I was trained by a stunt guy uh, for a movie because I was supposed to do an action movie, and for like ten days, I got this intensive training on how to handle guns and <laughs> wow, and how to fight, but for ca- for camera. And then I didn't do the movie in the end. We shot a trailer and then I didn't like it. So I, I turned it down. Oh. But then that stunt guy was amazing. He's the guy who trains all the guys who do, um, sorry. Um, oh, God, James Bond. Yes. So he was really, really good, that guy. And he told me that I had great abilities for boxing. And he said, you should really try to find a club in Paris. So I did. And someone recommended a club that was five from where I live. Mm-hmm. And it's called The Whole Box. And it's the best place on earth. Like it's, uh, it's owned by a, a three times European champion in English boxing, um, Yazid Amgar. And he's, um, he's, he's got only three matches and no defeats. And he's an amazing coach. And there's a lot of women there that he trains children. It's a real community. And, but they train you like you're a boxer. Like they really train you hard. And hmm. uh, it's very serious shit, but it's not, it's done with the most respect and, and also, you know, fun and, and it's serious, but fun. I don't know how to describe it. It's so rare to find places like that. Cause I had, I went to different clubs before and i hated the mentality i hated the oh you want to get you want to get hit and you're like what i mean yeah, what, yeah. what are you talking about like it's not about being manly what the fuck like i want to train hard but i don't want to be like in that stupid mentality of you know of trying to to compete between us you compete on the ring like you compete but you it's you shake hands after like you you know yeah so in good spirits you know well, you seem to have as a performer, as a vocalist, like I'm listening to To Love Is To Live and uh, I'm familiar also obviously with your work in Savages. Like you have a ferocity uh, as a performer, as a as a vocalist. And so when you say you're getting into boxing, when I think about it now, it doesn't seem like that far a stretch. <laughs> I feel like you have this in you, this... No, and actually, yeah, no, and boxing really replaced stage me because I haven't been on stage um, after I toured with Savages and then I toured with Gorillas all around the world and then I finished and then I took a year just to finish my record and then I was ready to go back on tour and obviously the pandemic happened again. So I only did one show in London at the Rouse, which was great. And actually you can watch it on my YouTube channel if you're curious. And uh, But then I was ready to go back on tour, but boxing had become the best the substitution to stage um, because when you're boxing, you need an attitude, you know, it's, and so you're right. I mean, when I'm on stage, I, I, I kind of, you know, I gained some muscles. I didn't know it even existed hmm. by doing, you know, some moves and, <laughs> you know, bending completely forward. And like, I stole that to Mike Patton um, when he's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, spread legs, you know, and, and put your bum low and your, your hands are almost touching the floor singing completely bent over like this squatting um that's uh that's him <laughs> yeah that that is so that, that, that is him is yeah extremely physical yeah and you and you jump on the crowd and all those things yeah it did definitely body in a way i expect yeah there was a uh, an hour and a half a show you you it's physical 
Well, the interesting thing about a, a lead singer like yourself, who is confrontational on on one hand, confrontational meaning, I don't I don't mean that in a negative way. I think of people like Nick Cave or David Yao of the Jesus Lizard who. Nina Simone. Yeah, Nina Simone. Just like the crowd is is both uh, something you want to unite and galvanize, uh, but it's also something that you view slightly oppositionally. Like, I, we need to go out there and blow people's minds. So the crowd becomes this challenge. Yeah. Do you have that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I feel um, I like performers who have, like Nina Simone for me is the best example, Domination. She dominates our audience completely. She yeah. she doesn't want to play. She stop playing, and she will stare at them. She's in control, but also she will give everything. So there's that respect that is demanded both ways, you know, which I really admire. But also for her, obviously, she was playing mainly, you know, at some point in Swiss to white audiences and playing Mississippi Goddamn. So obviously, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there was. <laughs> a need for respect <laughs> yeah but yeah i like i like this double crossing thing i think it's it's like in any relationship you know you have this sort of uh you who you are but also you need the respect and the distance when it's needed you know yeah yeah i can see that for sure i can yeah. see how that makes sense so let's talk a little bit about uh, to love is to live in terms of this passion you're talking about we're we've been talking about um, your approach to this record in terms of what you wanted to convey uh, as a solo artist outside of Savages, it's a departure on one hand, but it's you. Uh, what were you kind of, so to speak, going for with To Love Is To Live? What were you trying to accomplish? Well, at first I had no idea what I was going for. And and that was exciting, uh, not knowing and uh, making the decision before I knew if I could do it. Um, I think I thrive creatively when that happens to me, when I, when I feel I'm taking a risk hmm. uh, and I'm jumping into the unknown. So that was the beginning. I just, you know, I took it step by step. I didn't, you know, it, was, it felt like I had to climb a massive mountain to, to get to the point of finishing this record. So I, I kind of looked down and looked at all my steps and concentrated on every little detail that I needed to do and sort out in order to make it work Mm. and in order to achieve it. So, which was a different approach to me. And I usually, you know, I I would usually look at the big mountain and then try to keep everyone in that direction, you know, and everything uh, working towards that direction. So this time I tried to forget about the the ultimate goal. And the idea was really to try to do things differently than what I had always done before. Yeah, yeah. So including, invent, you know, inviting people in very early on into the process um, in that stages of vulnerable stages of the writing process, getting people's opinion early. I wanted to feel open and uh, and vulnerable. Hmm. And, you know, and, and, and kind of um, in terms of writing, I decided to... I, I sorted the first thing I sorted out was the lyrics um, and some ideas of melodies and um, that I worked uh, and then worked on and and the uh, the central point the starting point of the lyrics were to concentrate on the the ideas and the thoughts that would keep me up at night the things that I would be ashamed of hmm. the things that I would never want anybody to know about me so I started to write only about that. Uh, try to find the core of the core of what is uh, what I feel guilty about because I felt that if if I'm going to do a personal record I'm going to try to to present as honestly as I can who I am and what I feel and I felt that that's the only way to for people to be able to connect and to make this a, re- a representation of me and not just me but a fiction because a fiction always takes care of the good and the bad in a character, you know, so in a novel or in a film. Yeah, that's interesting. You wanted to be more open and transparent, but you also were crafting a fiction. So, yeah, a, yeah, hmm. that's that's interesting in itself. Do you know what <laughs> what prompted that? What prompted you to feel like? I mean, obviously, as you're discussing this album, you have a body of work already. So, on some level, what you're saying is kind of relative to what you've done before, right? 
this is a, a shift mm. for you to be more open. But do you know mm. why now? Like, why why is now the time you thought I need to open myself up? And 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 sort of similar in a similar vein, does that make you feel like you were? I don't know. I guess you were, you're basically suggesting in Savages and some other in your other work you were closed off. Do you know why? Both of those things occurred. No. <laughs> That's interesting. I, I'm not suggesting that. I think I was very honest okay. and open in my okay. work in Savages. And I think I was just, it was just a different me. Okay. And there were things I didn't see. You know, we evolved so much. And I think I, I was very honest in Savages. I was never feeling like I was censoring myself. Hmm. I was okay. doing exactly what I wanted to do at that time. Um, and that's not why I didn't do Savage's record next. It's not because, oh, I felt pressured and I felt censored and I needed freedom. Absolutely not. I felt that, um, sorry, I can't remember the question, but I think um, <laughs> we're asking it back. <laughs> it, was, um, it was two questions, I why guess. Why now? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. To, to be honest, you mentioned that you moved back to France uh, on some level, it sounds like it was a personal fact-finding mission. Like you kind of forgot who you were because you went to England to become Jenny Beth. Um, and so yeah. you moved back to France to kind of, it sounds to me like that's what you were saying. You moved back to France to maybe reconnect with who you were. Now you've made a record that is very much about yourself, except it's a heightened version of yourself, a performative version of yourself. There's some self, yeah. a lot of self-reflection going on in everything we've been discussing in terms of this record and your trajectory. That's why I'm just curious if you know, it's hard when you're in yourself to know why you're doing something or why you're thinking a certain way. But do you have a sense of what might, might, might be prompting this sort of, it's not stock taking, but it kind of is. You're a young person to be taking stock of your life, <laughs> if I might say, but it sounds like you're kind of doing that. I know, but yeah, I know. But actually, I was obsessed with my own mortality all the way through. And I know hmm. uh, it sounds weird because of my age, but I actually, I actually felt that it was about legacy. It, hmm. You know, I was uh, suddenly reminded that life is short um, for different reasons, different things happening in my life. And, and, I wanted to make a body of work that would be my legacy, that would be something that would outlive me, that would stay after I'm gone. But also something that was, um, I insist on the representation of me because it, it's also, it's not just about me, because especially now it's released. Mm -hmm. It doesn't belong to me anymore. And, and that's such a relief. And I think, we are very lucky as artists that we are able to put some of ourselves into either physical objects for sculpture or, or music. And then it's, it is shared hmm. amongst people. I mean, that feeling of sharing and interacting with something you have created is, um, I mean, it's, uh, one of the best feelings in the world. And, um, you know, and so, I don't know why I'm saying this now, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I asked the question. It does I, To me, I have come to recognize albums by artists as, for them, it's like a public diary entry. Uh, it's like a marker in, in their own time. And you mentioned sculptures, which is interesting because the album art is a sculpture. Yeah. And so it kind of points to the fact that you are freezing an aspect of your life in time. Uh, the record is an, a document of this point in your life there's this sculpture. Is that meant to be you on the on the record cover? It is me. It is you. Yeah. So there's something about it's a three D. Um, it's a digital three D sculpture of me. Yeah. So you've frozen yourself mm -hmm. a little bit, a version of yourself in time on two on two levels with this album. I would say so. That's something you were kind of. Mm. That's interesting on some level. I think you yeah, were trying I, to do I, that. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't really think of it that way when I did it. But I, now you mention it, it feels okay. Uh, to say that. Um, I don't want to misrepresent anything. I'm just trying to get a sense. Because there's also like you have applied sort of production techniques that make it a very uh, something of a technological expression. If, does that make sense? Like there's sort of robotic voices. The instrumentation is maybe more on the synthesized side. Is that fair to say? The, I mean, if you say robotic, there's no robotic voice on the record, but there's a pitched uh, voice uh, which uh, sounds a bit genderless, a little bit like Nina Simone, actually. Um, oh, yeah, I never, never thought of that. That's true, yeah, yeah. 
it's quite genderless and it's this sort of unconscious voice. Uh, so I wouldn't say it's on the world of the digital. It's, it would be probably the opposite if it would be Mother Earth, if anything. You know what I mean? Like this sort of uh, omniscient voice. And I think the record is a lot about the inner voices, the secret voices. Hmm. Um, there's the voice of Killy Murphy. There's the voice of all the men uh, who repeat the lyrics of I'm the man in the beginning of the song, The Rooms. Yeah. There's like a multiplicity of voices. And I think what I w- was quite obsessed with is the idea of, for instance, the idea of religion um, telling you, I mean, Catholic religion, which is the religion I grew up with. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the closest religion that was the religion that was the closest to me when I grew up. This idea that a thought can be a sin. So anything that you can think of could be a bad, even just to think it. And that to me is extremely dangerous and has caused me a lot of um, waste of time, of, um, <laughs> of, tr- of a blockage and walls that were put into things that I um, then had to take down. Is that because, so, of, is um, that because of the notion yeah. of Catholic guilt? Is that what you mean? No, but like the idea of, you know, several ideas, not just Catholic, but okay, like okay. even in society, the idea of, uh, I don't know, um, yeah, you, there are certain things you cannot think about. Mm, You're mm-hmm. not allowed to think, even just thinking about it. Like imagine fantasies, you know, and, and all those things or, or dreams or things that are contradictory. So you, and that, you, you're, you're getting and into for me, the contradiction of human yeah. beings are what makes us human. And that complexity should be embraced, and that's what the record is about. It seems like you're talking a lot about sin, or the concept of sin, and how in some doctrines, everything we do is sinful. <laughs> like it's hard to function without committing some kind of... Yeah, it, I wrote a song called We Will Sin Together with Johnny Hustile, and the idea of the song, I think, because I don't want to you know, ruin it for anybody out there, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I think the idea is to say that there's no living without being wrong. If you, you know, there's no right or wrong. There's only in and out. You know, if you're in, you're gonna, you're gonna fuck up. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're gonna make mistakes. And so the idea of we will sin together is including love into that concept and, and sort of uh, functioning on a pact of, of together, being together, but um, also knowing that you're, you're you're sort of loving each other into this imperfect world with your imperfect beings, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I do want to. I want to clarify something I said earlier because. And you, also, and also, just to finish on that idea, I think that's the best definition of love. You know, someone who can see through your 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 dark sides and your and you know accept your sins. Yeah, accept your your wrongdoings. You know. Yeah, to love is to live is a very profound umbrella statement, isn't it? Because it, it does It's very simple, isn't yeah. it? Like it's been said a million times. Um, it's like I'm not reinventing anything here, but I I chose it because I felt that it was important to remind ourselves. Yeah. Because that's the the, the, the the that's the thing we always forget. We forget because we get on with our lives. We have busy lives and we do things. And, um, and we forget that the essential, and I think, you know, in the past few months, we've been reminded of it. Yeah. Uh, very yeah. much. Yeah. Reminded of our own mortality and it's a suspended moment in time and, and you're faced with yourself. But I think we will forget and so for me to have a title like this was my own way to try to have this drop in the ocean uh, to be reminded. Yeah. And as occasionally. I occasionally. Yeah. And I think to my earlier point, on some level, this is a marker in time for you. Like each record you make is kind of capturing a moment in time for you. So it is a. Yeah. There's a lot of assertion of self here. And what I was going to say is, and I want to clarify something I said about the robotic voice, because I noticed you, you were like, no. That is not correct, Vish. It is not a robot. It is a, it's a pitched <laughs> human voice. But I, I do think we, like, even you and I right now are interacting in a way that is sort of disembodied. Our voices are traveling through the internet 
and we can we could if we wanted to see each other uh, with the video screen here, but there's a lot of that happening right now too. So when I was getting at that robot voice, I actually was trying to talk more about digital voices or disembodied voices because I think we're getting very very accustomed to disembodied voices. Whether it's people like mm-hmm. us interacting this way, whether it's a robot, you ask a, your phone to find something for you like <laughs> and it's a robot it's a little voice that just tells you like here it is here's the thing you asked for so sure. i and and then when i think of songs like i am and the voice uh the pitch shift that you mentioned that uh, that is employed i thought you were kind of getting at that that moment in time where we're not you this record is very much an assertion of your own self mm. but i feel like we're often doing that now with social media too like here i am Here's an avatar of me, a version of me. It's not hmm. quite me, but it is my psyche. It is some aspect of me, a fragment of me that I need to put out into the world. Do you feel like some of that is swimming around in what you're expressing on some of these songs? Like, I am, uh, I'm the man, uh, human. <laughs> there seems to be something about humanity and self-assertion there. Hmm. Um. Not really, but I do <laughs> see your point. <laughs> I loaded up that question pretty good to get a not really. I'm I'm proud of myself. <laughs> you don't think that's so there? No, no, but, it's fair. No, but I, I get I get what you're saying. I just it would be hypocrite of me to be like, oh yeah, I definitely thought about this in advance. But um, no, I mean it's interesting though. I think a song like Human though is kind of connected. I think to what you're saying. Mm. Um, in the sense of I wrote it uh, after I read articles about digital rehab. So it was a kind of human beings who were um, losing the point of their lives, the meaning into their lives because their, their lives had become this sort of constant flow of figures and news and, and they would, they would be working really hard, but wouldn't be able to do anything with their hands. And for me, it was like this new kind of humanity illness. Hmm. Uh, and, and I've, you know, the disembodied things that you're talking about, it's, it's, I think there's a lot of references of the body on the record. Mm-hmm. I actually talk a lot about the body because I think I think a lot with my body, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, in general, um, uh, as a person. So in a song like Human, I referenced how technology is actually impacting our bodies. You know, the eyes are going blind. The brain is atrophied. Uh, Take a look at my hands. What can they do now? So there's this whole idea of of the body is disintegrating. And that kind of thing echoes what you you just mentioned. Well, I I think we've come of age in a a period where... It's interesting. Yeah, well, I, I, I appreciate that you're pondering what I'm theorizing here which by the way this is just me spitballing after our conversation i'm not i have not written a master's thesis about your album yet um perhaps i will (laughs) and these theories will please don't (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure someone will there's a lot going on here but i guess i'm also thinking about how dehumanized we've become when i think of black lives matter this movement lives is i mean it's about black lives but it's about lives and since I have this theory, Jenny, bear with me, but I feel like the internet has really dehumanized us and created a kind of cruelty where we don't actually think of people on the other end of our comments or our postings about Mm. people as people. Like We just don't think we're just becoming a little less empathetic towards humanity. So when I hear your record and I think of it, it just has stirred these thoughts in my head about how human life matters and we sometimes Mm. don't think think about that and I feel like you're talking about mortality I went through a thing myself uh, when my mother was ill uh, uh, in the last couple of years where I really had to f- think about mortality and my and then mm. I became obsessed with my own mortality as well and um, and it humanized me it rehumanized me I feel like I've been living mm. this detached digital life for some time and now we all are so I, that's yeah. that's kind of what I'm getting at a little bit with the dehuman, like the assertion of self and and sort of um, uh, the songs here seem to be talking a lot about being a human and being a person who has feelings and is real <laughs> and not some, you know, hmm. v- virtual depiction or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, is that is any? Yeah, well, you, yeah, what you're saying is interesting. I mean, I, I the Black Lives Matter is that's why it's so important to say it, to repeat it, to you know, and and because it's um, we 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 tend to forget um, that it's the horrors that are happening hmm. um, in the world. And I wrote a song called Innocence on the record, which which actually talks about this issue. Uh, about feeling disconnected with uh, something that's happening on the other side of the world mm-hmm. um, and feeling the lack of empathy uh, or the, the struggle yeah. to feel like you can care for more than one or two people, basically. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, that's why I talk about the Catholic guilt then, because then the guilt comes in is that I'm a, I'm a bad person. And and so I wanted to address it because if, I think it's a real question, it's a real issue, yeah. uh, which I I have struggled with, and we we do tend to feel we, we're more informed about things that are happening all around the world, but I don't think it has human beings. Sadly, uh, as you said uh, rightly so about your mother, it's like it's only when something's happening very close to you that yeah. you 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 understand it. It's true. So we have to operate on this sort of um, strange uh, <sighs> plateau where we we know it's wrong what's going on, so we have to care, but it's not. We don't feel it in our core because we can't. It's not happening at our doorstep. Yeah. But we have to act anyway. So we sort of becomes this sort of. It, it's difficult because you have to feel passion when suddenly you have to fabricate passion hmm. and um and that is a strange feeling but you also have to remember that you have you know it's the same about voting or you know sometimes you just have to remember your values yeah and not just act uh, on passion and sentiment yeah and the problem with uh, feelings is that they deceive you feelings are your your worst ally you hmm. know hmm. feelings are dangerous <laughs> because they <laughs> They're like a rocking boat and they can take you from one side to the other and you have to not always listen to them. And it's tricky because you feel like, oh, I would be coming machines. But actually, it's more like using your brain and intelligence, you know, yeah, and yeah. in regards to what's happening in the world and what you want to defend and try to be an ally to the causes you think are need to be defended. But yeah, but then, um, yeah. Sorry, you said something after. I no, no, where no. We went to the, no, that was yeah. that was that was well put. I think it's it, there's a lot, and you know what? I'm asking you some heavy questions, Jenny, and I and I feel like <laughs> <laughs> it's quite heavy. Yeah, <laughs> there, there, um, I just there's stuff swimming around the record. I do want to ask you. You had said earlier that you brought um, collaborators into this process. Uh, mm-hmm. re- relatively early, I think you said. Um, can you talk a little bit about the people you worked with on this record and within that, maybe the tone and sound of this record in relation to those collaborators, what they brought to it? Because it, it does have a... Sure. It's a great sounding... Beyond what we were talking about lyrically and your passion mm-hmm. as a vocalist, it's an amazing sounding record, if I might say. Like, it just sounds yeah. great. It's dry, it's sparse, it, it has a, a real... Th- uh, thump, I guess, yeah. is a word to use. It's it's got a lot yeah. of might to it. Can you talk about uh, the people you worked with and and how they made this yeah. thing happen with you? And to that point, I think I, I was really. I'm glad you're saying this because that was something I was really um, that was really important for me hmm. uh, to have uh, the production being as important as the lyric writing and everything. Uh, and because I didn't, I wasn't making a record for 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 live. I was making a record. Uh, and that, when you start thinking that way, then that's when production s- steps in mm-hmm. and, uh, and is very important. You're not just trying to recreate an energy. So, uh, yeah, collaborators, God, how long you got? Um, there's, <laughs> I, I, I know there's very, a long uh, list. Yeah, I, I saw that, but. <laughs> a, no, I wanted to make a record. Like, you know, I've been a fan of the Beyonce's record, eponymous records that she drops and announced in 2013. I was a big fan of Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly. Uh, I was, I was a big fan of records that, that sort of included a lot of people. Yeah. And, uh, and I felt that was a really interesting way of making records and I never tried that way. So I want, I wanted to explore 
these sort of new ways of making records nowadays, sometimes at a distance, sometimes not. Mm. Uh, but to sort of see, you know, songs as not just verse, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus, you know, and try to, you know, there was those great artists who had paved the way for us, like pop artists, mainstream artists, who suddenly had sort of kicked all the structures out the window. Yeah. And, and I thought it was stupid not to just, you know, enjoy what what they had created and um, and the multiplicity of influences was something I really wanted on the record because I, I I my taste is very eclectic so I mean so I started by um, I mean I wrote lyrics and my own worked out melodies and then I worked with Johnny Hostel who's my uh, partner and someone I've been working with for fifteen years and who produced the Two Savages records. And who had a project before Duo, um, before Savages. Um, so we we sort of um, it was like a lab. It was like experimenting whatever we fancied trying. Like we recorded a jazz quartet with me on the piano. We recorded a drum and bass versions of tracks, punk versions of the same track. We had like five or six versions of the same tracks, and that was really great because that sort of we needed to break down those walls. We needed to just kick everything yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. Um, and also that created a lot of sounds that we had found that we kept in the final versions and so some of the songs were kept in that scenario like Flower We Will Sing Together or How Could You were produced by Johnny and then Rami Malikroft was a friend and an ally in, in trying to find the identity of the record and helping us and listening to early demos and I co-wrote some of the songs with her mm-hmm. uh, so she, she was sort of there all along you know in and out and um, and then the first producer I contacted was Atticus Ross and he said um, he was in straight away I mean he didn't say yes but he started a long six months conversation mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and we, we we wrote emails and we spoke on the phone then we me and Johnny went to live in LA for a while and uh, we he would come to see us in the studio so that was great. And uh, then he started working on I Am, so that the, the opener yeah, yeah, of the record. Yeah. And so when he did that, he changed everything because when we heard the ideas, the first ideas is put with all the strings, and we were like, okay, that's not okay. We thought basically he changed the whole game because we felt this is a much bigger record than we imagined. Mm. And and he raised the bar and he showed us that it was possible to do something that we always dreamed of doing and he put it on the table and really delivered so that was amazing and i, I was i was really in tears when i heard i am the first time hmm. because it was everything i had dreamed of having on the record and 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 it was it was also you know putting me again in that intensity that drama, that intensity, that suspense, and you know, which I had in Savages in some moments, but yeah, with yeah. different instruments, you know, yeah. with strings, with, it was a different thing, but it was still me. So, so it was a proof it was possible. So it was a big moment. So after that, I went to look for other producers and failed <laughs> at several. <laughs> um, I was looking for young electronic producers. I was I was kind of, it, it didn't really work out. And then I was speaking to PG Harvey and she suggested uh, to meet Flood. Right. And then, um, then I met him and then we got on really well. And then he recorded in his studio in London, we recorded uh, Heroin, Innocence, The Rooms. So he did like the live drum songs and, hmm. and he flipped those songs like he completely turned them over and it was great. It, it was magic because he, he he was the last producer. I mean, Articus was still finishing his own tracks, like I'm the man and human, but but Flood gave me my record back. Like basically the gift of Flood as a producer is to make sure that when you step out of the studio and the album is finished, you have zero doubt hmm. that it's your record. Hmm. He gives it to you. And I don't know how he does it, but it's absolutely wonderful. That's a very interesting way of putting it. That's a lot of trust that you place in, in him. And there's a lot of respect in what you just said. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do respect them so much, Atticus and Flood and, and Johnny Hostile. 
I mean, the time and the effort, the commitment they put on this record. I mean, I can't even tell you the hours. It's just, um, I don't know. Apparently, I, I do that with people. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I involve them and before they know they're in, you know, and they can't really get out. But I, I just, um, I'm, I'm honored, you know what? Like Atticus Ross, he doesn't produce anybody yeah. apart from Trent Reznor. Yeah, yeah. Like, the amount of things it turns down, <laughs> you should you should see the list. It's insane. Well, so I'm just, um, yeah. Do you know I'm touched and I'm so honored. It speaks to, to it speaks to your your talent and your power, Jenny. I mean, I feel like when I think about the people you've worked with, uh, the people who've asked you to participate in things, I know it's hard to be objective. Although I think you're trying to be in this conversation about yourself and and your life and and your work, but you must. I don't mean to give you a big head here. I feel like you must recognize you're onto something. You're doing something that's reaching people and speaking to people. Well, you know, I always say that my first audience is the artists around me. And that's always been the case. Uh, when I started making music and I moved to London at 20 years old, and I was doing, as I said, this duo with Johnny. And the first people who gave us a hand, who were fans, who were even buying the records or even, you know, talking to us or giving us opportunities where other artists. Yeah. And, and I, that for me, I could live like that forever, to be honest. I, you know, that's the first layer of communication. Yeah. When an artist I respect sends me an email and say, I listened to this record. This is amazing. Well done. It's, you know, I'm not saying it has more value. I'm just saying that they're always the first on the line yeah. to step up and tell me, what you're doing is great. And that gives me the strength to carry on. So obviously the, you know, the love of fans is, is immense and it's, you know, it's, it's another, it's another level, but the artists are always the first yeah, uh, they, to the, support. The, 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 yeah. The respect of your colleagues. Uh, I know, I know what you're saying. I've, I've experienced the same thing. It, it sometimes means a bit more because yeah. you're in the same, in the same muck. You mentioned uh, PJ Harvey there and, Hers is an influence yeah. I, I hear within you. When I was listening to the new record, I thought of Carla Bozalich and her Evangelista records. I know I don't know if you're familiar with her, but um, uh, no, I, I recommend she's put out some amazing records on um, Constellation Records here in Canada. Oh, uh, I love Constellation. Yeah, I would great label. Yeah, I would suggest you check out. You might be interested. I'm just I'm just giving you a little re recommendation. Uh, <laughs> uh, Carla's that's great. Thank Car you. Carla's phenomenal and. Um, yeah, so I hear people like that. It's fair to say PJ Harvey is an, an influence for you, an inspiration? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I to bring you my love, when I bought that record, I can't remember how old I was. It was probably 15 or 17. It's just, it changed my life. I yeah. just, uh, I, 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 and then uh, Songs from the CD and all those records, I know them by heart. Yeah. Polly was one of the first real icon of mine to come and talk to me when uh, the beginning of Savages she came to the very very early shows mm. she came to see us perform in London and she came and announced <laughs> so I remember when I saw her come in I was like, petrified but, um, <laughs> but also I gave my best performance you know what I mean yeah um but she 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 sort of she gave her number to my management at the time and said, um, if she, if Jenny wants to reach me, she can, oh. like any time. So I didn't for weeks because I was petrified. But then I thought, you know what? I, I'm such, like, I would be so rude of me to not call her after, after she came to my show, she gave a number and I'm not calling her. Like, yeah. who am I? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, <laughs> so when I started to think that way, I called her. And she was the most amazing, open, like she just said, basically, I'm here. You know, I know what it's like to go through what you're going through. Hmm. It's, it's a difficult road on the road. You know, it's, it's um, on tour and call me, just call me anytime and I'll be here for you. And I, I have, you know, after that, I kept calling her and we became friends and she just gave me advice. And most importantly, I mean, not most importantly, but for this conversation, the most important thing to mention is that she, she offered me my first show as Jenny Beth. Oh, nice. So she, she asked me to open for her at the Eden Project in, in, in Cornwall in, in the UK, which is a massive venue, open air venue, mm -hmm. a wonderful place. 
and she <laughs> she came to talk to me and she was like, um, you're going to open for me in 10 days <laughs> at the Eden Project. I'm like, what? <laughs> I said, Polly, I've never played as Jenny Beth. She said, yeah, well, you will. That's it. <laughs> so I couldn't really say no to Polly. And then, so I worked my ass off for 10 days. Oh my God. I worked like five hours a day. I was on my piano and trying to figure out what I was going to do. <laughs> and then I did it. And it was a fantastic experience. And then when I stepped off stage, she held my shoulders and she said, nothing's going to be the same again. And she planted the seed. Like, you know, she, she wanted to see me do my own thing. And, you know, not that she disliked savages at all, but I think she, she just wanted me to be free and, and just do something very personal. Well, that is the other amazing thing about colleagues and heroes. They see your strength in you when you don't sometimes. You, you know? don't. Yeah. You don't see it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, have you ever had that experience when you, I'm sure you'd look at yourself from 10 years ago, like a video of yourself. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, I look great. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Or you'd be like, oh, <laughs> maybe not. But uh, no, but like you'd see something that you wouldn't be seeing. Yeah. Uh, then that you you were not seeing then whether it was you know the power of your laugh or the way you listen to people the way you you know if you could go back to those moments where I'm sure you've been loved so people who love you (laughs) see those things you know what I mean yeah 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 no I I often yes I mean my wife can maybe I can bring her into this conversation (laughs) right now but she might have something to say no I have developed a, a rapport with heroes and people I admire uh, through this kind of work that I can't explain. And the experiences mm. I've had where people like like you and like others have made a point of, I'm not saying you've done this, but people in your position uh, who who see something in me that I don't see and give me time that I yeah. they, they don't give to others, like that kind of thing yeah. uh, has happened to me. So I know I kind of, I don't want to sound like I have a big head about it. I recognize that I'm fortunate. No, no. And I recognize that there's something that I can't can see do it for someone else. Yeah, I can't see it about myself that they see in me and reach out to me and connect with me, and that is holding me in good stead. And I, yeah, I, I appreciate them, uh, and I appreciate that I'm maybe contributing to them and their lives in a way that I don't understand, uh, but but I accept. You know, like. Uh, Sometimes yeah. it's, it can be negative too. Of course, you know you don't you don't know how people are perceiving you or reading you. But the number of of course yeah the number of amazing experiences I've had with people tell me that something's going on here. So yeah, well I I want to ask you about future plans. Uh, this experience seems to have been revelatory for you as a creative uh, experience. Uh, I want to ask you if you if you know what you're going to do next. Uh, if there's any savages news. Uh, what can you say about those things, Jenny? Sure. Um, so I, I mean, the, the records come out only a few days. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, but what already I've noticed is that is I feel more inspired now, and I'm actually writing new music. I mean, I was supposed to be on tour right now, and then on tour with Nine Inch Nails in in America and Canada. <laughs> Yeah, which I was really looking forward to, but it's okay. It can happen later. So now I'm kind of re-concentrating on writing more music. I do my radio show on Apple Music. I'm going to host another TV show, I hope, before the end of the year if confinement, uh, you know, yeah. if the post-COVID situation opens up. I'm mm-hmm. be working on trying to find solutions. I'm acting in a movie. Uh, I am, Lots you know, of stuff. I've... I've yeah, I'm 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 just carrying on life as usual. I'm you know, um touring is I can't wait. I can't tell you how much I wait. It's yeah. gonna be just amazing. Yeah. But also what's gonna be amazing is that people would have had time with the record and mm-hmm. and hopefully word of mouth would have worked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um instead of words words of sharp charts. <laughs> word of mouth. <laughs> and then people people will, will be uh, you know, even more excited to see the live performance of this record. So yeah. I'm excited for that. And you have We're a, ready. You, We're definitely ready. To yeah. You, you, well, and don't use all your energy on your boxing. Just save it for the stage. 
if I might say. No, I'm not saving anything. <laughs> <laughs> it only uh, makes it better. Yeah. And you have a book coming out, I thought I read somewhere? Sure, yeah. So I've got a book coming on the 9th of July. Uh, it's called Calm, Crimes Against Love Memories. It's 12 stories, uh, six monologues and six dialogues. And the subject is uh, sexuality, erotica, intimacy and freedom. Hmm. Uh, if I have to sum it up in four words. <laughs> wow. Okay. So and that's uh, okay. So that's coming out July 9th. So this is why yeah, this, um, this, this is why it, Polly is interested in you. You're very prolific. You're very busy. Yeah, she is as well. Oh my god! Every <laughs> time I speak to her, she's onto something new. So um, one of the greatest um, uh, one of the greatest live performers I've I've ever seen. Uh, just Polly. Yeah, PJ she Harvey, is. My goodness, the last Toronto show. We're still kind of. Sorry, I'm in Alberta now, but when we when I was living in Ontario, I would go to see shows in Toronto all the time. And her last Massey Hall show, I think people are still talking about it. It was just incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah she's an incredible performer. Yeah, well, and writer. Absolutely, no, she's she's every she. Yeah, you you are you two. I can see being in sync. You you seem to have a, a creative <laughs> creative drive and multi talented. So I can see why you might be friends. <laughs> <laughs> and why well, she's she- very inspiring for sure yes absolutely. It's, she's hard to um you know to compete with because she's so um she's such a force of creation <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I love i really love her everything she does yeah it's very exciting so if people want to learn more about you jenny and your work where would you sort of send them using you know the internet uh, well you can you can go to my website jennybeth.com there's all the merch and all the, you know, um, videos and lyrics and collaborations and, you know, things that are up there. Um, there's also my Instagram and Twitter. Um, and my phone number is not for everybody. So I'm not sharing that here. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I can appreciate that. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. All right. So people can go there to learn more about To, to Love is to Live. If, if there's a song that we can play for people uh, to go out here. Jenny, which song from the new album would you pick? Uh, this is like choosing between children. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Um, I, always choose um, my, I always choose my daughter when asked. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I, my son will be fine. My daughter's who I usually... Yeah, yeah, she's the one. Good she's call. good. <laughs> oh, that's good. No, I understand. Um, uh, I would say, well, if people haven't heard the record, I would start from the beginning. I would start with I Am. Okay. Because that's the introduction. That's how you open and that's how you enter the, the To Love Is To Live. So I would say if you're starting from scratch, start with that. Okay. Let's let's go with that. This is I Am by Jenny Beth from the uh, excellent new album, To Love Is To Live. Jenny, it was a real pleasure to speak with you again. Thank you for this and best of luck with everything going Thank forward. Thank you. Thanks for your time and thanks for having me. I had a great time. I am burning in 
For your small business, if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Oh, very special thanks to Jenny Beth for talking to me again, this time for the 549th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available on all Apple and Google platforms and Spotify and YouTube and, and all sorts of other things too. If you can't find an episode of the show that you're looking for, you've heard about it, but you can't find it on any of those things. Or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative, or follow me directly at vishkana. You can also visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. It's always appreciated and increasingly necessary, so please consider going to patreon.com slash creative control. And if you donate $6 or more a month, then uh, you get access to exclusive audio content. And who who in this world doesn't love exclusive audio content? I can't name a, a soul. I think they all love it. Patreon.com slash creative control. Thanks again to live at MassyHall.com where you can watch beautifully captured concerts by great Canadian artists. Also, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks as always to Jim Guthrie. Uh, He lets me uh, use some of his music on the show and you can learn more about Jim at JimGuthrie.org. And finally, thank you very much for listening to this episode with Jenny Beth. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. I'm a little hoarse. I was just reading a, a story to my son and I do accents and voices, and I'm, I can feel it in my throat. I'm just, I'm not fully, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and rest my voice and stop telling children's stories to my children just because they're asleep, and it would be weird to do it while they're sleeping. Anyway, thanks, Jenny Beth. Thank you for listening to this show, 
and following it or subscribing to it or whatever, telling your friends about it. It means a lot. I will talk to you very soon if I can still talk after being hoarse from reading these kids' stories. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.